Harrison Liao. We are going to preview the Eastern Conference. Unfortunately, Yosef Nasser had to work tonight, so he cannot join us. But Harrison, how are you doing? I'm good, man. Hey, shout out to Yosef. Doing big things, dude. I see him on Twitter all the time now. He is doing big things. Uh, not surprising at all. Speaking of doing big things, every one of Yosef's teams is just nailing it. The Phillies are in the second round. One, uh, one series from the World Series. Eagles undefeated six high expectations oh whoa no no no. listen but something's got to give right something's got to give well i mean i think we know what's going to give but we don't want to spoil the pod i'll I'll just flat out say it i don't trust james harden i i just i i don't i can't trust him can i can i actually like take that one step farther sure i don't i just don't trust the sixers in general as an organization i love Embiid, and i love what they did this offseason we can. Do you want to jump in into this now this way, or do you want to kind of set it up first? Let's set it up first, but get get your Sixers yeah. thoughts out because I know that you know they're going to be a a hot topic of conversation. I just don't think that they've changed the makeup of like how they play. Like I when I whenever I think about like teams that add pieces that really move the needle for them to use like an expression people beat to death. Let's use an extreme example, right? Kevin Durant to the Warriors, like the most extreme example. He fundamentally changed the options that of like style of play that they could go towards, right? They they had a tough time uh, when you know they went up against this Cavs team with LeBron, who was able they were able to compete with them and and essentially like take away their strengths and force them to play styles that were unnatural to them and be extra extra physical on Steph on Clay, uh, mitigate what Draymond does. You add Kevin Durant to the equation, and it's like there all of a sudden you just can't plug all the holes in the ship you know like there's too much water coming out of the hull and you're just gonna sink there's there's just no there's no other way about it obviously it's a super extreme example but if you take what philly did this this offseason i like i like what they did i love pj tucker how can you not but um i just don't think any of the pieces they added fundamentally change how they play like melton like the melton milton thing i i think melton is better than shake milton I don't want to get too into the weeds of like their roster or anything, but it's just, it still seems so one dimensional to me. It still seems like Embiid is going to be amazing. It's going to be dominant and Harden is, there's just a lot riding on Harden and there's a lot riding on still guys like Cork Maz, Nyang, um, you know, dudes of, of that cloth. So the, before we get started on our seatings, the only thing I'll say in regards to what you said is you're right. The makeup of the team is the same. I don't know if there has ever been a case where a team loses in a way that is basically like just so gut-wrenchingly like we watched the Broncos Chargers game tonight. The Broncos, the way that they lose, it's not about just losing. The way that you lose is so just soul-sucking. I don't know how else to describe it. And it's like everybody forgot how the Sixers got eliminated last year. It's not just that they lost to Miami. That final game, they basically just conceded. It was just, it was, it was, embarrassment is not the right word, but it was just. They folded. They folded. And how many times have we seen a team fold and then come back and then get over that hump? Usually, and this is obviously, I don't know the answer to that question, but it seems to me in the history that we've had watching sports our entire lives, usually the teams that are able to bounce back or the teams that were close that are or, or had overwhelming talent i just thought of the only example off the top of my head the heat 
the Heatles. Oh yeah. The Heat have to have right. like overwhelming talent, like the obvious most talent. Like you had to have choked, but Philly didn't choke. They got outplayed. They got outplayed. Now they they didn't have Embiid for the first two games of the series, but still, I mean, I I can't fathom how people are. I'm gonna just say falling for it again. But on that note, we don't want to spoil too much. Let's uh let's start from the bottom. All right. Let's start from 15 and then work our way up to one. And just for the record, I think anybody that will listen to this can attest to this. This was freaking hard this year. I don't know if it's always been like this. I can't remember having to struggle so much in coming up with the standings. Were you the same way? Dude, it was impossible. I mean, but if like, dude, if we're being honest, it's so with the preseason, we never know. Years that we think it's easy are just years that we're more wrong. <laughs> and then years that we think it's hard, we're just more reasonable about like our expectations, I feel like. That you're you're absolutely right. And also like the just the sheer talent, like there's yeah, it's crazy. It depends. I mean, we're gonna get into it, but it depends how many teams you think are good. You you can make my the case. 15th, my 15th team, I think, has a lock all-star. Oh, LaMelo Ball? <laughs> Are they your worst team in the Well, who who is your 15th seed? Yeah, it, it is the Hornets. Mine is the Hornets as well. And uh, by the way, Vegas over under is 34 and a half, I believe. And which we're done. it's crazy. I mean, it's ridiculous how high that is. But let's and hear why done. you think Hornets 15. They've they've just had the summer from hell. I, I don't want to even talk about the bridges stuff too much. It's just like a disgusting, like just an ugly situation. But then the book and I think happens today. <laughs> And like, and you just have so, you have so much street ball, like on the team and don't get me wrong. I'm a fan of some of these guys. Like I'm a fan of LaMelo. I'm a fan of Terry Rozier. I'm a fan of, you know, of some of these dudes, but it's like, I just don't look at what they have on paper and see like incredible NBA team that can like play basketball, like, you know, in an NBA fashion. Does that make sense? Or is that kind of too vague? It totally makes sense. And the thing about the Hornets that is just, it's just rips you apart is besides LaMelo, who is like, you would think it would be Boke Knight, but obviously I don't even think he's going to be on the team anymore. Who is the young guy that they're like, all right, let's get excited for this guy. Like, let's, let's watch them because of this young guy. I mean, they have Jalen McDaniels, but I mean, dude, this team is, is JT Thor. JT Thor, Mark Williams, Kai Jones. They don't have anything to really get you excited about. Dennis Smith Jr. is their backup point guard, which good for Dennis Smith Jr. Once a Nick, always a Nick. How is he still in the league? Exactly. He's so bad. And it just, I mean, obviously we all know about Wembenyama, Scoot Henderson, but it just makes no sense for this team past like game 15 to even try. Like, I was going to say that. I mean, I, I think their front office is thrilled. I think they're so stoked about what's going on. No, I, I, you know, I think, I think they probably, they probably fucking boozed up book night. You know what I mean? They're probably, <laughs> probably threw a little part. <laughs> we got to well, edit. That's coming out in post. That's coming uh, out. I mean, I don't know. But like, the thing is, this is our first disagreement. You think the front office is thrilled. I think Mitch Kupchak doesn't know what year we're in so <laughs> um, I, I mean last year he with Lamelo ball on his roster he called gordon hayward the best player on the team which i i understand but it just no like you, you just don't do that 
and then you have obviously PJ Washington with with the, we we mentioned the stuff with Boknight, the legal troubles, but he had the Brittany Renner stuff. <laughs> they have so many things going on outside of basketball. They they win the they win the Real Housewives award for like you know like every NBA season has one team that's like Real Housewives of the NBA. Like they got it. So let's let's do it then. So let's say the the first the. Who is the the young guy besides Lamelo who you are most excited to see from the Hornets team? And I know here I'll give you some options. You got, uh, I mean, if we want to count Dennis yeah. Smith Jr., Kai Jones, Jalen McDaniel's, Mark Williams, Jason. That's the wrong Rose. McDaniel's, by the way, for anybody listening at home. They also have uh, Bryce McGowan's, who that would be my answer. Um, I actually have not seen McGowan's play yet. I, I honestly, I'll go with Nick Richards because just because wow. I've seen that documentary that he was in. <laughs> have you seen that documentary that he was in? It was like a hoop dreams. Like it was some kind of, I think it might've been like some kind of last chance you spin off or something. I'm going to be honest with you. No. And I, and I absolutely do not want to watch it because I, I mean, we're going to watch too much Nick Richards to begin with. And Harry, with all due respect, I think we spent way too much time on the Hornets because this team is a disaster. They like, stink. They stink. Who's your 14th seed? You go, you go. I just did my, I went 15 first, so you, we'll do it at Snake, you know? All right, let's do a Snake. Well, this one, it might get a little bit controversial here. I don't know what you think of them, but do you want to take a guess or should yeah, I, I want to guess? Okay, I know it's not the magic. You're fucking. You're drinking the Kool Aid. You're drinking the Disney Kool Aid. It's it's got to be. You know what? I'll say yours is the Pistons. I think you're. I think you like them, but you're like they're a year away. Yeah, it's the Pistons. That's they're mine too. So we're lockstep. Right okay. Now. Wow. So I think the consensus is Pistons a little bit higher than what we have them at. Yeah, but like the team is so young still. They're so young, and not only that, I just. I'm not yet convinced fully on Cade. I'm just not. Can I be honest? What? It's the preseason. I'm not convinced in Ivy either. I I, wa- I watched them play. His his this is not his. I just pointed to my head for people. His IQ is not. He's not ready yet for the game speed. Like stupid fouls. Like missing missing obvious decisions where he's like he's doing the right thing physically. He'll draw. He'll fucking dive like hard to the hard to the rim or he'll he'll do that little he loves that cross jab that little you know Giannis John Morant that little cross jab transition he'll draw two and he just won't kick it out he'll just like barf up something terrible and then like the body language on the sideline Jaden Ivey is going to be special I, I take that back I retract that statement Jaden Ivey is going to be special and I, I think Cade I think Cade is going to be special too in the right context but I mean I just don't know I it's it's they're they're not fully baked yet they're fucking you know I'm I'm also very skeptical on Isaiah Stewart and Jalen Duran. Maybe not so much Jalen Duran in the long term, but those are their two big really? men. They're gonna be they're gonna be rotating those guys at center. And I just like has Beef Stew showed us that he is a capable NBA rotation player. He's a starting well, center. I will say, I mean, okay, like his most like the the biggest thing, the best thing he's done in the NBA is like <laughs> his fight an entire army of people. But uh, are you are you not impressed by the uh, the three ball that he's showing in the preseason? I mean, yeah, I, I did see him with his improved three point shot. But the thing is, like, teams are just like inviting yeah, him to shoot it for now. I don't think I I just think he's a little bit undersized. I don't know what his what his like 
strong suit is as a basketball player. I don't know what he does really well besides maybe intimidate, <laughs> which is not really, you know, Dude, a skill he, to I feel bad survive he's with. He's born in the wrong era, man. What, in the 90s. what do you think is the best case scenario for the Pistons? Um, That's a good question. Because I don't, I don't think even if the even if the young dudes show a lot, I don't think they're gonna win games. They're too they're too young to understand how to like close out tight games. How to, you know, because like I feel like the, a lot of times when we see young guys in the NBA who start playing well, getting some confidence, it's almost like it takes them too far. Again, they start getting a little too physical. Boom, two fouls, you're out for like ten minutes. Your rhythm's all fucked up. You know, um, I don't know. I think even if they're playing well, the best case scenario we'll see like. Some Jade and Ivy Cade Sports Center top ten. We call that a season highlight. <laughs> well, what's the seed? Mm, Twelve. Oh wow, wow. So I'm low. I'm low on the Pistons, but I like their core. I like them. I like them for the future. I just think this is not. It's not ready yet. Yep. Yeah, I'm. I'm the same way. But the thing is, when you trade for Bogdanovich, I think that they think that they're going to be in the playing mix, which is which is realistic to me. I mean somewhere around 9 10 i could see like best case scenario but first and foremost Cade has got to take the leap and you probably need sadiq bay to take one as well and i just i'm not ready to Cade's gonna take a leap but like the leap that's necessary i don't think that you that have that physically yeah that's that's my question because i think he knows he Cade understands the moment like he knows he knows he has to be more aggressive he knows he has to show what he's capable of as a professional, you know, Hooper, but like physically, I, I don't know if I see that. I sent you a stat a, a few weeks back about the percent of the three point percentage of guys when they are wide oh, yeah. open uh, with six feet or more of space. And Cade Cunningham shot 30% on wide open threes last season. So, you know, that's the first area of his game that's going to need improvement. Um, looks pretty, though. The vibes on his shot are right. Good vibes. On the I agree. Shot. Let's go to 13. Who do you have at 13? Got the uh, Shout out Evan, Evan Brooks. I got the Washington Wizards. Dude, you're you're copying off my list right now. No. I got the Wizards as well. Um, another team that obviously is, I don't know what the hell they're doing. I don't know what the plan is, but... Um, I guess if Bradley Beal can have Bradley Beal was not good last year, just flat out not good. He couldn't shoot. He was terrible. What what was going on with him? I guess if he if he can bounce back, they have a like a chance to fight for a playoff spot. I I think that you know eight to thirteen is like my my variance with them. Yeah, they have better top end talent than the other teams that we're going to talk about in front of them. Like their high end talent as far as Beal, even Porzingis, like. I mean, we haven't seen it in a long time, but like he's shown flashes of like being a guy, you know. And Kuzma last year, I thought Kuzma was fucking incredible last year, honestly. On like, especially on defense, uh, you know, this is a Denny, this is a Denny friendly space. So. <laughs> well, the starting lineup for the Wizards: Monte Morris, Bradley Beal, Will Barton, Kyle Kuzma, Kristaps Porzingis, and the bench: Delon Wright. Uh, Corey Kispert, who's going to miss the beginning of the season, Denny, Rui, and Daniel Gafford. And the reason why I brought up the starters is because there is no youth on that starting lineup. A, a franchise that is in the middle of mediocrity that has gone nowhere 
and they have no young talent. Again, just like we mentioned with the Hornets, you want to talk about worst position to be in as a franchise. You're in the middle of nowhere. You're not really sure which direction you're going. You paid your franchise player 60 plus million for mediocrity and you have nothing to build with. I mean, what are they doing? I'm about to ask you a chicken or the egg type of question. Did did Evan beget the Wizards being futile or did the Wizards being futile beget Evan's negativity surrounding the team? Oh, you know, wow. Like, did, he, did he manifest that, the, the plight of his, of his Wizards? So, you know, I'm, that's a great question. And I don't feel bad saying that, by the way, because he's adopted the Clippers. Like, he's a very happy man. Well, I'm happy for Evan. I will say one thing, and this is not in regards to Evan. This is in regards to Washington sports fans as a, as a whole. Johnny Davis had one bad summer league game. I, I, he had multiple bad summer league games. But after his first bad summer league game, the Wizards fans said, well, he's a bust. It's over. <laughs> and I mean, there is no patience. And I get it. I mean, you have the Wizards and you have the Commanders. The fans have been tortured. And as soon as they see like futility, they're like, all right, this, we suck. This Let's go Heineke. Well, <laughs> goodness gracious. This great. isn't a football pod, but I mean, they have plenty of reason to do that. I mean, the Wizards are so bad. Like you just talked about it. Like they're not, they're not crazy though. Like it's not out of nowhere. Like this is a, this is a franchise that has no direction. Like they're not even in a good position to, to take care of a Victor Wembanyama or, uh, or Scoot Henderson, you know? They are not. I'm thinking of the opposite of what the Wizards fans do. Um, maybe like Oklahoma City is a good example of it, where it's like, yeah. all right, we are going to give you like Poku. Poku at this point, if he was a Wizard, he would have been in Latvia three years ago. I mean, they would have kicked him out of the league. But you have guys like Johnny Davis is a great example. He his confidence, if you watch him play it's just gone. It's, it's non-existent. And I, I blame, you said, you know, who's to blame chicken or the egg. I, I do understand how it can harm players development. I Bad do. sports town. I'll say it. You don't want to say it. I'll say it. Terrible sports town. Well, when they're, I, I under, I don't want to say that far because man, rooting for the commanders and the wizards, it's, I don't know anything about baseball. I know the Nats won a few years ago. They're not good right now either. They might be in the worst position of any sports town in America. It's pretty depressing. It is depressing. And last question about the Wizards. Do you think that they end up selling uh, Kuzma? Let's say, I don't think Beal, but if you do, let me know. Kuzma, Porzingis, do you think that those guys stay on the roster? Uh, If they start winning, no. Oh, okay. I really, dude, I think the, I don't know, if, like, I feel like we're bearing the lead here. I think the Wembenyama thing is going to, like, loom over all of these teams. Like, yes. everybody except for, like, the top six teams, like, everybody's going to be, it's it's a race. Like, I don't think people realize how once in a, forget a lifetime, like, once, this has never happened in basketball. He's, he's taller than, like, Wilt Chamberlain. <laughs> Yeah. And he's just pulling up like skip to my loot threes in transition. Like, I don't want to make this a Victor Wemanyama pod, but I, I really do think any trade related questions, that has to be the first thing people talk about. My only question with all this Victor talk is if everybody's trying to bottom out, then who are the buyers? Like, yeah, exactly. Who's going to buy? 
So, but that's I, the thing. Is that going to create a weird market where like Porzingis goes for like, like the Wizards just try so hard to get him out that they just like give him to a contender. They're just like, just fucking just take it, whatever. I don't care. Do you think that that's more likely or we see teams just shutting their guys down? That's probably more like, more likely. The NBA, Adam Silver is not going to be happy with that though. He's not. So, There's going to be a lot of private investigations, a lot of fines. <laughs> and... I don't believe any of that shit when they talk about it either. Like, everybody everybody tampers everybody cheats it's just it's ridiculous but you made a great point about the trade market because you you're gonna have the wizards are a great example a team that's going nowhere they would kill for a Wembenyama or a scoot henderson or any of a top five pick they would kill for it yeah the twins but how do you how do you get there if nobody wants to be good besides if everybody's a field? seller yeah, yeah. It's hard. Everybody's selling. Like, it's what, what's going to happen? I have no idea. It's going to be crazy. I can't wait. I I can't wait either. All right, let's move on to our twelve seed. It's my it's my turn, right, to start. Uh, yeah. Yep. So we've had the exact same picks. I I actually think we're going to have the exact same. Oh, maybe not. We'll I don't see. think so. I think this is where we. I think this is where we split. Oh, I know who you have. I know who you yeah. have. You you don't know. No, I think you're wrong. Shame on you. I think you're wrong. Okay, I have Indiana. I wouldn't do you like that, but yeah, we don't have the same one. I got the Magic. No, I knew you had the Magic. Really? I thought you were going for Chicago. I thought that was... Oh, no, because you said earlier in the pod that you knew that I'm I'm high on the Magic, and so I knew once you said that you didn't have the same as me, that this is where you had... So you have Indiana ahead of the Magic. I do. The, that's actually the next. I, this is this is one of the ones I had the toughest time on. I understand. I understand. If you look at Indiana's roster, it it looks bad. It looks very very bad. Like their their best player is Tyrese Halliburton. This is no disrespect to Tyrese Halliburton. He's an awesome NBA player. He's he shouldn't be the the one on a on a NBA team. Like that's just not how you should, should construct it. That being said, the same question you asked me about Charlotte about like who are the young guys you're excited about on that team i could tell you like 10 guys i'm excited about in indiana but just yeah. not as a one they're all like twos and threes you know okay i i hear you and that's why that's why you know a lot of people had indiana that i saw at 14th or 15th and what you just said is why i have them at 12 is because of chris duarte benedict matherin even guys like nemhart i was watching him in in the preseason he was surprising me and then you know i don't know how he got on to the uh i think it was a new balance commercial but aaron neesmith is you know he's he's in commercials now so i'm excited about the leap he's 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 gonna take a leap this year you can't get a commercial and not take a leap no it's Um, illegal and then jalen smith you know they still have the miles turner and buddy jalen smith speaking of new three-point shots have you seen his his looks legit like aesthetically it looks good yeah i mean this team, there's always a team that surprises. Goga lovers in the gym, Goga enjoyers in here. Um, I don't think I can do that, but you know who I am really optimistic about is Isaiah Jackson. Oh, I like him too. No, I do. Just genuinely, like I like. See, that's the thing. There's so many Indiana guys. I wanted to shit on Indiana. I wanted to, and then as I went through the roster, I was like, fuck, I like that guy. I fucking like that guy. There was too many dudes that I had to do the he got that dog in him you know yeah. and there's always teams 
that even despite Victor and Scoot, there's always the teams that are like, you know what's better than tanking is building the culture. And, yeah. you know, I have no proof of this, but it seems like Rick Carlisle would be one of those people. It For just, sure. I mean, the Bulls used to do this where they would be like, you know what? We could tank, but you know what's better is establishing a culture because that's how you get stuff done in this league. I mean, to that same token, the Warriors didn't have number one picks and they they built a pretty good dynasty. But they I, got lucky as hell. Yeah. This I isn't do. a words pod, but anytime Lakeup is like, yo, I'm such a genius. I'm like, you know how fucking lucky you got? Like, you understand how, like, you hit like a full house, you know, like on the river, like four times in a row. You understand, yeah. you understand that, right? Like, that's nobody, people don't do that. So what do you think is the best case scenario with the Pacers? I think, you know, this is probably why I'm a little too high on them. I actually think my best case scenario is like close to where I have them, which is probably the wrong way to do this, right? Like you actually should predict what like an average outcome would be. But I think their best case scenario is probably like a 10, 10, yeah. 11, nine, nine to 11, somewhere in that range. Like one of those teams where it's like you, you look up two games left in the season, everybody else is kind of asleep at the wheel waiting for Victor. And it's like, oh, Indiana is going to be, hunting around for a playing seed you know like one of those like i i just love tyrese halliburton are already said this offseason he said that he wants to be a pacer for life i love the vibes going on with him leading the show uh, yeah good. and i really think that we could get to the end of the season and just like you just said harry they're around 10th and then whoever's 10th 11th 12th nobody wants to be in 10th which for the playing tournament, for what Adam Silver created, that would be hilarious. But Indiana could sneak in there. I, I wouldn't be shocked. It'd be even funnier if, if Wembenyama was at the playing like games. <laughs> they showed him on the sideline. It's just like yeah, just sham. But no, I think I think Indiana they have too many too many dogs. Matherin, dude, that kid is oh, he's a tornado. Yeah, he's probably the rookie that I'm most excited to see at the start of the season. Um, all right, let's move on to 11th. It is your turn. Who do you yeah. have at 11? Uh, so yeah, I had the, I had the Pacers at 11. I had the Magic at 12. So I guess yeah. I'll talk about the Magic now. Yeah, right? go ahead. The Pacers bit. So the Magic, I, I, I'm excited about the Magic. I might flip-flop again, honestly, after we finish taping this pod. They are so fun. Like everything oh, people are talking about. Harry, I'm sorry to cut you off, but cut it out. You had them at 12. Don't act like... A magic. I didn't say they're good. I didn't okay. say they're good. All right. Dude, they have the both the Wagner brothers. They have like a million. They have six ten guys like setting, you know, setting high pick and roll ball screens for each other. Like it's just there's a lot of fun stuff going on. I just but I look at them and they just they just don't make any sense to me though. Like as a as a winning basketball team. Like I don't I also don't think Paolo is like I don't think he's ready yet to be like the number one scorer on a team and if and if he's not the guy like who is that franz feels that is it Franz? like franz is impressive don't get me wrong i'm i love franz like i think he's an incredible nba player is he that guy it just seems like they have a lot of go-go gadget guys but they don't have like hey go get a bucket you know i hear you um the one thing that you did not account for is this team's chemistry is going to be off the charts Jonathan Isaac is going to invite all of them to his um, church sermons on Sundays. And I know a couple of years ago, nobody showed up. Shame on those magic players. I think that was Vooch and Fournier. This team, they're going to be all, they're all going to be there. 
They're going to be singing the gospel with Jonathan Isaac. Are we going to see him this season at any point? Because that know. changes how I view this team. I don't know, but like both of those guys are not on the roster anymore. Did Isaac like pray for them to be you know, oh shipped away? I'm wow, we got a little witchcraft going on on the magic. Is Isaac ever going to play again? What if he just retires and he just becomes like a MAGA pastor? I don't really <laughs> So that's the thing with this team is, you know, Fultz is hurt right now. Suggs yeah. was hurt, but they said he's going to play on opening night. Yeah. By the way, Jalen Suggs, it's like everybody, obviously, for good reason, talks about Cunningham, Mobley, Barnes, and Green. Suggs, it's still too early to write him completely off. This guy could still be really good. I think he grew a lot towards the end of last year too. I I I was kind of I think lower on them than I than what he projected at the end of the year too, where he did start showing a lot more. They kind of ran him through the Victor Oladipo experiment they did like ten years ago with the like Oladipo play point guard, and it was terrible. It was like the absolute worst thing ever. They kind of did that with Suggs, but it kind of started to work towards the end of the season. Like I don't know as far as counting stats what it was like, but I remember watching some of those games and thinking like. Dude, this guy is his. He has a high IQ. His shot is looking a little better. He plays so hard, like all the time. Which is my main concern for him is that this injury thing is going to keep plaguing him for a while. Is because he just he only plays at one speed, which is just all out, you know. And the guy that we didn't name, um, Gary Harris, who's also injured. I like the fact that Orlando has those random vets that kind of. We talked about late game scenarios, but you have a Terrence Ross on the court late game. He'll hit a big shot for them. You have a Gary Harris. When I look at the roster, I actually mis misjudge because those are literally the only two that they have. <laughs> but but still, I mean, you have Dude, you have two vets. Does that not sound like a twelve seed to you? That's uh, every twelve seed that's ever been around. Where you're like, there's one or two guys. We're like, oh yeah, that guy that guy's been around for like ten years. Well, what's their best case scenario to you? Their best case scenario is that Isaac comes back because if I Isaac before he got hurt, I mean it's been long enough that people have forgotten the guy was a two way stud. Like yeah. as defensively, he was he was on that path to being like, hey, like this guy could be like the defensive player of the year. And when you add a guy like that to the mix, where you have someone with the offensive potential of a Boncaro, uh, of a Franz Wagner, who's so good at kind of elevating the play around him um Fultz who's so dynamic in transition Suggs to you know like you got a lot of pieces that fit together I just think they're missing that Isaac piece and best case scenario he comes back and I think they they're a nine seed this is like this is not great radio but it's a common theme with this tier you know this tier of teams they all share the same potential I feel like okay I I respect that my 11 seed do you want to take any guesses this is really hard for me to I think do. this is this is where it gets really hard I, is it is it the Bulls? Well, no, it's not because I can't do that to to my fan base. But um, it's the Knicks. It's the New York. Oh, Knicks. okay. And this again, it was it was difficult because I really like the Knicks. I'm a I lot really higher do. than you are, actually. Spoiler. Their variance to me, I wouldn't be surprised if this. You know, we've talked about this privately, but if they were like two years ago when they were what the four seed, it wouldn't shock me. It would not shock me, but when I had to pick of the of the um, candidates that we had available, who can have you know the worst possible outcome? To me, it had to have been the Knicks, and honestly, it was between the Knicks and the Bulls. Yeah, me yeah, too. To be real with you, exactly what you said about variance. 
Um, I mean, if you're betting on the Knicks, which I, I kind of am here with this exercise, it's basically it's it's a bet on cohesion and it's a bet on um on the internal growth of certain pieces and also like the the addition of Brunson like fitting in seamlessly. And um uh, I think they're they're deeper than people think they are. Like it's a bet on depth. Like, you know, you mentioned that team from a few seasons ago that finished, you know, as a four seed and just had a hilarious, brilliant wonderful and disgusting playoff uh appearance where msg was just alive and kicking but that team needed derrick rose like to play 48 minutes a night that team needed mitchell robinson to be you know essentially what rob williams was for the celtics uh this past playoffs that team needed julius Randle to be a super super duper star and none of those guys were cut out for that this team has a lot more options you know <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this. Obi Toppin is improving. Miles McBride is a real, that guy's a real dude. Quentin Grimes is hurt right now. That guy can play. I think Evan Fournier, as much as I hate him, is not going to have as bad of a season as he did last year. You know, and I also think that this is like a, this is such a stupid like sports thing. There's something about the all lefty teams that I, I, I value. I just think they add a little bit. It's like when you go up against like a lefty pitcher, like there's just a little bit of like a curveball in there. And uh, these dudes that, you know, Brunson, Randall, Barrett, they're all lefties. And they all have this kind of, I look at them and even though their individual talent doesn't jump out at you on, on paper, the way they play, it translates to scoring in a consistent, like sustainable way where it's a lot of physical, you know, it's a lot of like, it's not a lot of finesse where you can have a high variance of like, is this guy going to hit a bunch of threes tonight or not? It's a lot of like, you know, bear in transition, bump, Euro step. Like that's, that's not a shot. He's going to miss a lot. You know, Randall with like, I'm just going to fucking back you down in the post and shoot like a 12 foot fadeaway. Like that's not, that's in his, that's in his bag. You know, I just think that there's a lot of reliable pieces here, which is not an adjective I should be saying about the Knicks. So I'm probably a little higher on them than I should be. Well, there's great vibes going on with the Knicks. People are talking about Julius Randle's assist-to-turnover ratio, Jalen Brunson's efficiency, Mitchell Robinson looked good in the preseason. But the thing that you know you mentioned is the thing that I'm most excited about is their their bench. Because you have yeah. Derrick Rose quickly, um, you have Grimes, you have McBride, you have I'm not even going to, I'm not going to mention Cam Reddish. I'm sorry. I know I just did mention him, but I'm not counting on him at all. What about Keels? What, you know, Keels is a, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go. Good. He's not, not good. He's a beast though. I mean, he will, he will fight you. But you guys stole Isaiah Hartenstein who. Oh, I love him. I can't believe I didn't mention him. Yeah. It, it's, it's going to be, um, if you guys do have a good season, which is very possible, it's going to be because of the collection of the parts, which yeah. is good because that's a team that, you know, even if one guy goes down, which, you know, will happen throughout the course of a season, I'm actually talking myself more into the Knicks as we, as we do this exercise. But um, again, Can with, I say something though about the, yeah. the future of the Knicks, Knicks futures. I, for all the good vibes, I kind of don't, I kind of hate that this is the season that it's happening. Just because this draft is so insane at the top, like it's so ridiculous. Like, you know, if there was a year to not do the Pacers thing that we just mentioned of like, hey, fuck tanking, let's like build a culture, hashtag heat culture. Like this is the year to just be bad. And it's like, I just don't see a scenario in which, 
you know, you asked me about best case scenarios. What do you think the Knicks worst case scenario is? I can't see them finishing worse than where you have them. Worst case scenario. Yeah. If they're, if they're below 11, I would be pretty surprised. Me too. But, Which is a bummer. but they, you know, I, I, I say this with all due respect, but they are the Knicks. So they're the Knicks. Well, but you know, if that, if the worst case scenario ends up being worse than that, then good for you. That might be the best case scenario. Yeah. But I, I do think that with this organization, they have been fighting the stigma for so long of being yeah. incompetent that, yes, Victor and Scoot and the top of the draft. But at the end of the day, wouldn't it be nice if if people look at the Knicks and say, you know what, the Lakers are the biggest mess in the league, not the <laughs> Knicks. Like You're right. No, I mean, it, it actually is never actually that bad to win basketball games as much as people like say it is during tanking seasons for sure. But you guys, if you guys do have a season like two years ago, you do have to make a little bit more playoff noise. And it'll be harder yeah. this time. But... It's going to be harder. I think, we're, I think on paper, the Knicks are a better team than they were when they were the four seed. And I think they are barely going to make the plan, maybe. Okay. Well, actually, that's not true. I have them higher than that. But I, I could see them finishing where you have them. So now we are at the plan, right? We're at 10? Yeah, we're at 10. Okay. Is it me or you? Uh, it's you. No, no, it's me. It's me. It's you. All right. Yeah. Let me make sure I have this right. Okay. This is, this is hilarious, but I have the Chicago Bulls right here. Yeah. So, um, I do too. I do too. Really? Wow. I do too. And you know, obviously I root for this team and I do think that there is some potential to really, just like the Knicks really surprise people have a great regular season. It's just that so much of their reliance is on two guys. It really is about Levine and DeRozan. And if one of them, if anything happens, a sprained ankle for a month or whatever, how are they going to be able to offensively sur survive? There's no Lonzo. I don't think we can assume that he's going to be back at least before January, and that might be too optimistic. Yes, they have Dosunmu, who, who we like. They have, obviously, Kobe White, Caruso off the bench. I actually think their bench can be really solid. I do. Um, just like the Knicks. But again, this team has so much reliance on two people. And then you also have Zach has had recurring knee issues now. DeRozan's 33 going on 34. It scares me. And there's already been rumors. Now, this is not coming from the Bulls. This is just basically bloggers saying, well, what if the Bulls, you know, what if they decide to sell at the trade deadline and, and shop Vooch and DeRozan? And it makes sense considering the fact, not now, obviously not now, but if you're in that mix for like ninth, 10th in a loaded East and you're an older team and you're not really, you don't have a direction, you're basically a better version of what Washington has, aren't you? Oh my God. I just, wow, that hurt. But it's true. I mean, you look at our youth. Okay. We do have um, Patrick Williams, but what has Patrick Williams proven? Nothing. Can I be honest? I think the kid's not, I don't think he's that good. And that's, you know, Billy Donovan started to bring him off the bench. I don't think we have a, a starting power forward yet on opening night. But if Patrick Williams can't beat out Javante Green for a starting spot, by the way, Javante Green has been balling. But if you can't beat out a journeyman and, and you're the top four pick, yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not a good sign. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I think the biggest problem to me with the Bulls, and I, I agree with everything you said. I think that's very 
Very well said. And I know, I know it comes from the heart. I know it's not comfortable to say about your, your team, but um, I think that the biggest problem is yes, you have the, the risk of like, what if one of those two guys misses a few games that could be the end of your season. I also think those two guys, they just don't play in a way that like empowers the other people around. This is no disrespect to them. They're to me, they're two of the most skilled scorers in the entire NBA, but when I watch them play, it looks like an AAU team. It's like, it's not quite like your turn, my turn thing, but it's like, yo, like I'm going to, I'm going to get a bucket here and not many other people are going to be involved. And then we're going to go back on the other side of the floor and yo, like everybody's just like, let's just like lock down a defense. And like, that's how they try to win games. I just don't see in today's NBA, if that's how that's a sustainable way of winning basketball games, you have to vary it up. You have to get more transition buckets you have to involve the young guys you have to get your bigs you know you know some easy ones here and there it just they don't they do that but it's not enough it's not we we don't see you know who's got a weird career DeMar DeRozan we don't see the uh the eight assist the game DeMar DeRozan from San Antonio the one that flirted with shooting three-pointers for a season or so we see a DeMar DeRozan that has completely mastered who he was in Toronto but then has kind of not regressed, but like pivoted away from who he was in San Antonio, you know? Yeah. The one thing about the Bulls that does give optimism in terms of the future is that a lot of people are raving about Dale and Terry. I like Terry a lot, but what's his upside though? Like, is he like going to save you? I don't know. I I said a lot of people. Yeah. I said a lot of people. I didn't say myself because Again, Dosunmu, there's nothing wrong with Ayo Dosunmu. He's a very solid NBA player. But what's happened with Bulls fans recently, at least to to my point of view, is that they'll take these guys who are really solid NBA players and then they'll put them on this pedestal that they will never be able to reach because they are not star-level talent. And- but then it's a feedback loop from the front office, too, that goes out and pursues those players because they're like, look, our fan base is reacting well to players that fit this specific mold of, like, plays above his weight class, plays yeah. with an edge, plays – and they don't pursue guys that are, like, extremely skilled and extremely – and I'm not saying you want to load up your entire team with one or the other. You have to have a mix. That's what – the best NBA teams – always always have like a perfect blend of the young with the veterans of the skill with the heart of the of the smart with the supremely athletic you know what i mean in chicago they keep digging themselves in in this hole of like pursuing very similar types of players and i think that like it's a redundancy issue it's it has nothing to do with how much the team gets along with each other it has nothing to do with how much top end talent they have because their top end talent is really good. I mean, I really do think Levine and DeRozan are like special players, but they're redundant, you know? The only, and you know, it's surprising it's taken us this long, but the only thing for me um, that will increase their upside is if Kobe white finally My does dog. what we, we hope he will do, which is take that leap. Today was actually the day that he could sign his uh, free agency extension um, he will not be signing any extension, so he will be on uh, restricted free agency next season. Uh, I wish him the best, but again, I think that the Bulls have shown that he is not their priority. And I expect, you know, Drogic to get opportunity over him. I expect at some point Dalen Terry to get opportunity over him. They botched his development completely, and that's what, you know, mediocre organizations do. And it pains me to say that, but 
you know, I think that that's kind of where we're at. Um, I, I can't talk about the Bulls any longer because they just drive me nuts. Um, You're up next. Okay, number nine. This, again, every team from here to number one is very difficult. Maybe not so much yet, but it gets it gets really difficult. I would say, okay, so I'll give you my number nine. It's the Toronto Raptors. Wow. I didn't expect that kind of reaction. I've actually, you know what? I, I kind of understand it because a lot of the content that I've been consuming has had Toronto as being the trendy. Can they win the yeah. East? Can they be the number one seed? Um, who do you have at number nine? I have the Hawks. Okay. Interesting. So um, I, I, I see what you're saying. Like to me, the Raptors, they were a high variance team for me. Like I, I, I swapped them around from basically where you have them to as high as like the top six, you know, I could, I could see both scenarios. I don't know. So my whole thing with Toronto and I would love for somebody to answer me this. How did they get better? Like, <laughs> I love their organization. I love their head coach. Scotty Barnes will for sure be better this year. Siakam had a career year, just like DeRozan. It's kind of not realistic to expect him to take maybe, okay, maybe a smaller step positive, but I don't know. Is it really realistic for him to go that much higher? I guess the hope with the Raptors, if they really do exceed my expectations, is two people, maybe three. OG, um, Precious and Gary Trent Jr. If those three can all exceed expectations, then Toronto, they're going to be a really tough place to win on the road in the regular season, for sure. Again, I just, I don't see how this roster has improved that dramatically. And the East has gotten so much better. I, I just think that, I don't, I don't really think that they're that special, but I would love to be wrong. You're kind of talking me out of where I have them. Well, but don't spoil it, but continue. I'll I will I'll say this. I think the the biggest thing Toronto has on their side is just is youth. I mean, if there's anything that you can bank on, it's that young players tend to get better, right? Like even if it's just an infinitesimal amount, like on the bottom bottom end of like the worst case scenario for a young player, young players tend to improve. Um, Gary Trent Jr. is like the most shocking twenty three year old in the NBA. <laughs> I feel like he like, I feel like he's been in the NBA for like seven or eight years now. Um, you know, OG is what twenty five. Precious Achua is twenty three years old. Um, Fred Van Vliet is only twenty eight. I was shocked to find out that Chris Boucher is twenty nine. He's a year older than Fred Van Vliet. You know, Van Vliet is a pro's pro. He's been in the NBA Finals. I mean, you know, you combine youth with the amount of deep deep playoff experience they have with the type of infrastructure they have. But I do agree with you. Their top end offensive talent on the offensive side of the ball is not very impressive. They don't have a ton of guys that are dynamic with the ball in their hands. They don't have a ton of guys that can just make it rain from three. I mean, Scotty is not that that type of franchise player. He is a franchise player, no doubt, but he's not that type of franchise player. You know, the same redundancy issues that, I, that we talked about with the Bulls might also apply to the Raptors, where they they might have too much on one side of the ball. Yeah, I I totally agree. You had um you had the Hawks at nine. I want to hear your reasoning for that one. I just don't, I don't know if I trust their bigs. I think when it that's kind of what jumps out to me. There's a lot on a Kongu to become 
like not just the successor to Capella, but to kind of transition the Hawks into today's NBA, which is kind of not outgrown a guy like Capella, but made Capella more of a bit role player than he was a few years ago when he, when he could play, you know, a lot more minutes and not have it not be like an awkward stylistic thing. I think what I've seen so far from DeJounte and Trey, again, it's preseason, who knows, but like those guys seem to really play well together and like cover each other's bases a lot. I like some of their, I like a lot of their wings. I like, you know, I like a lot of their pieces. It's just John Collins, dude. He's like defensively, dude, John Collins gets beasted by bigger dudes, like absolutely beasted when he can't use his vertical, his vertical leaping. And Okongwu, he's just so green, man. I don't know. I like Okongwu. I like him. I don't want to sound more down on him than I am. I just don't know if this is like a finished, the finished product that people think it is yet. Interesting. Um, let's save Atlanta's further conversation for later. Um, let's move on to number eight. Is yeah, it- so I'll fire off two here because we, we've already covered both of them. So mine were, I went Knicks at eight. Okay. Raptors at seven. Okay. So, all right. Interesting. I have um, Orlando at eight. Wow. There's always somebody. There's always somebody that surprises everybody. And I just, last year was Cleveland. I mean, I don't know what everybody had Cleveland before the season, but it had to have been. Now they, they fell off at the end, but they were. I mean, they they weren't a fluke though. Like they got hurt, you know, Rubio. Mobley, Allen, like all those guys are dealing with significant injuries. So that's that's my line of uh, thinking. Why I have Orlando makes sense. That was that's my reasoning for my next pick. And um, with Orlando, I mean, we we already talked about them, but the one guy that I really think that I don't think we mentioned, Wendell Carter Jr. is going to take a leap, and he looks ready. And I wouldn't be surprised. Again, we see this all the time. The surprise team always gets more media buzz, media love, whether it's most improved player, whether it's a fringe all-star appearance. I wouldn't be surprised between, I don't think it's going to be Paolo in year one, but between Franz and Wendell, Wendell is going to have probably a good amount of assists per game, good amount of rebounds, good amount of points. Wouldn't be surprised if he makes the all-star team this year. I love that. I think Wendell is going to have better accounting stats than Franz, just the way they play. So you had, um, remind me, at eight and at seven, you had the went, Knicks uh, eight and, and Raptors. Seven. Yeah, I went Knicks-Raptors. Okay. Knicks and Raptors at seven. Okay, cool. So I'll give you my seven because we, we discussed those two teams. I have the Cavs at seven. I have them at six. So okay. we're, we're still kind of like pretty close. Okay. Let's get into Cleveland. Um, You know, this is, again – this is hard. This is really, really difficult because for the final seven now, if you told me any of these teams finish first, I would say, oh, okay, I could see that. With Cleveland, first would be tough for Cleveland, but I could see like a top three. Do you think that they can make it to the Eastern Conference Finals? Yeah, but I don't know if they finish first, like in the regular season. That's a lot of games to win. You're talking about like, you know, 50, 57, what? Who who was the first seed last season? Was it Philly? No, I'm tripping. It was it Boston. Was, right? was it Boston? Who was the first seed? We should we should know this, but of course, Dude, we're so old. <laughs> Our wow. memory is fading. Um, was it months ago, jeez. So the first seed last year in the East was Miami, 
Oh yeah, that's right. And they won what 55? 53. 53 games? Could the Cavs yeah. win 50, 50 plus 50 plus games? Yes, why not? I, I don't see why right. not. The the most underrated part about this Cleveland team, from my perspective, is that Karis Levert looks ready for a full season and the last time that i remember that he looked like this is in brooklyn and oh, people man. are all talking about garland and mitchell and mobley and allen karis lavert was putting up 50s in the bubble wasn't he i mean he had some of the most remarkable moments that i can remember on that bubble mets team and he was bad last year he was terrible he oh. was terrible but i still have hope for him and this team people are not taking into account I mean, they have a really solid bench too. If can I throw a name at you? Can I throw a name yeah. at you that surprised me in the preseason? Yeah, Okoro. Like yep. Okoro has shown like a real maturity so far. Like from this early, like he seems like he really is on the same page with everybody about like what he should be out there for. Which is, dude, hit a corner three and play defense. Don't do anything else. Like do not do anything else. And to me, that's always the mark of a team that's like trending in the right direction. When you got the the guys that were high draft picks that could easily input their ego and be like, Hey, I want to be the man, da, 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 da. But they, they understand the moment. Yeah. The the sad thing about Cleveland is that I was expecting Ricky Rubio would be helping with this team, but they still don't know if he's even going to play this season. Could you imagine if they get a healthy Rubio for that bench, maybe in the second half of the season, and then they have Rubio Lavert, and they have, Robin Lopez, Kevin Love. I mean, I don't know why I threw Robin best Lopez. Backcourt, is that the best backcourt in the league if, if with the healthy Rubio? I mean, that that team is it, it's it's loaded. And I think that, you know, personally, if they made the Eastern Conference Finals, I wouldn't be stunned at all. Um I wouldn't be shocked. I think that would I think that would entail a monster leap from Mobley. I think that would entail Allen being just so dominant you know, on both ends, like in the paint, I think that would mean Garland continues his ascension as like maybe one of the best pure ball handler playmakers in the league. That dude is so shifty. Yeah. He does. He's got that little, like that Tim Hardaway, you know, like, Ooh, it's like a typewriter. I could see everything that you just said happening by the way. So that's why, I mean, the seating to me means little, but in the playoffs, I could really see them surprising people and making noise. Um, so you had them at six. So that means that I owe you one. My six seed is the Boston Celtics. I, and you just Whoa, made a face Dude, you're going to need to explain. Wow. Dude, they don't, wow. Have, they don't have Time Lord for a good majority of the season. That's true. First half. And then you have a team that was, you know, defensive minded. They lose their head coach. Their new coach says that they're focusing on offense. I do think that, you know, the the regular season to them, I think that they internally are going to say, you know what, we're now we're a veteran team now. So if we slip and a team like obviously I haven't mentioned like the Bucks, for example, if they care more about the regular season, then let them have it. Um, and I think that that mentality is is part the main reason why i think the celtics are going to slip a little bit it doesn't mean i think that they're worse come playoff time they're as scary as anyone but no we're talking I, about predicting the regular season here yeah and that's why i had them at six six so you have them under uh, you don't have to rail, rattle off your list but you have them under 
you know, the Heat, the Sixers, the Nets, the Bucks. Wow, yeah. that's incredible. That's amazing. So, so you you put no stock into this Brogdon thing that kind of to, because to me that was the that was one of the huge factors I considered is that Brogdon kind of balances out the Derek White smart awkwardness, the Pritchard like you know all those guys being overextended. I felt like in the playoffs, I feel like what I've seen so far from Brogdon is he covers so much of that and he allows them to be who they want to be in like the correct role. Yeah, that's that's great in theory, but. <laughs> Will he be healthy? I mean, he's always dealt with those injury concerns. And I mean, it sounds like they're going to start Al Horford at center. I think that their rim protection is going to be terrible until Time Lord comes back. I, I just need a lot from Noah Vonley. And, and Luke Cornette. Yeah. So all those reasons. I understand, you know, people are raving about the offseason that they had, but a lot of the regular season is going to be riding on Noah Vonley, Luke Cornett, Sam Hauser. Um, yeah, there's a lot on the, on the Hauser thing, which the Hauser hype is ridiculous. I mean, the kid got, can play. he's not like you got Hauser in Boston, you got Matt Ryan in LA, and it's just like there's only a few guys that have done that and been successful in that role. I just we're getting a little off topic, but yeah, the Celtics thing with me, it's not a knock on them. I just want to see Time Lord healthy, and I want to see them get to the playoffs. But I, I, I don't think people at home, even though Time Lord got the finals spotlight, like you know, he we saw him in that on that stage, and he played really well. I don't think people realize a how fucking good this kid is, yeah, and b how important he is to their team. And so I, I think that's a great point that you brought up. Like not having him is massive. It could put them behind, like really behind to start the season like more so to me that's a way bigger deal than the email thing yeah we should we should stay in this boston thing for a second because that's i mean that's what barstool is going to pick up here after this pod like that's what that's going to get all the headlines like you have them at six i think a lot of people might have them one and two i think that's the consensus right so are you if because if they're six that means they're conceding home court advantage essentially like you know they, they essentially don't care about the regular season enough they're like whatever we'll roll in there and beat anybody on any on whoever's court like is that kind of what you're saying well yes but not maybe not intentionally like i really think that one through seven or one through six however we want to say it they could be separated by like six games total like i'm i'm pulling up last year um number one through number four were separated by two games toronto was fifth and they were five games behind number one the old nba or the nba that i remember from you know five six seven years ago there was a huge gap between one and five typically now it's like me saying celtics are six this is again six could mean like four games behind whoever i have at number one i this is and it's all because, again, no time, Lord, to start the season. I think it's going to really impact their defense. I mean, their offense, too. He's their best passer. But, dude, this is that's insane. I mean, like, essentially, you're saying Blake Griffin would be the most cursed NBA player of all time. <laughs> Boston to go from a game of, from the NBA Finals to, like, the, the sixth seed. I'd be thrilled. As a as a as a New York Knicks fan living in Boston right now, sports radio has been one of the delights of my everyday commute. I mean, you can tune into like a 
slow jazz station and they'll be like that was uh the benny and the brooks trio and uh up next we're going to talk about why bill belichick should be fired <laughs> i'd be thrilled i'd be thrilled but you have him at six that's incredible i just wanted to spend an extra beat on that if that's okay again harrison this does not mean that i think that they will have a oh, lack whoa, whoa, of- oh don't don't back off your ledge here no dude. no no i have them at six but that doesn't this is the regular season prediction yeah, and if we got into the postseason i think that they're probably when i look at the east yeah i, I would say a fully healthy Celtics team is probably my pick to win the east so this well, is not you, you so you still think they're actually low-key the best team in the in the east though yes but i do think that by the time the postseason comes around I don't know how much you can rely on Time Lord. So I think that they'll need to make a move for like a backup big, just in case. I think so too. I think that's consensus here, by the way, too. Like from all the Boston Celtics fans that I know, I think they, everybody knows they're really thin there with Horford. Horford's what, 37 now? Yeah. Um, I will say, I want to, I want to put this on paper, put it in pen. I think Boston is going to be one of those teams where, everybody's like super down with the JD Davison's of the team and stuff like, whoa, look at these sick dunks. Like, look at the hair. This is nothing to do with JD Davison, but just like, I think they're going to have a lot of guys that as soon as the playoffs come around, it's like, Oh, that wasn't a guy. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah. I, I could see that as well. Sam Hauser, shout out. Um, yeah. Who do you have at five or is it, is it me? Uh, I, I think it's me. I got the, so I, I went last time I went, I went Knicks, Raptors, Cavs. That was my six. So I have the Heat at five. I have the Miami the, Heat at five. The Heat. All right. What is your reasoning for Heat? Because they were number one last year. I the Heat well, this was honestly one of the hardest ones for me. I know we've been saying that for the last 30 minutes, but like, <laughs> dude, this one was fucking hard. I don't know, dude. I just don't see. I think everything rides on how much better offensively can Bam and Tyler Hero get. Yeah. Like look at look at their look at who they have on paper. Jimmy Butler is a monster. He's not going anywhere. Jimmy Butler is an absolute ridiculous top end talent. Outside of that, you have a lot of pieces that could swing wildly. Like Duncan Robinson. What the fuck happened to Duncan Robinson? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so the thing with Miami with me is that all right, you get Oladipo with a full offseason to get healthy. I think Hero is going to take a small step in a positive direction. You still have Max Struess. Now you have some infrastructure that's been there with Gabe Vincent. You mentioned Bam. Caleb Martin has another year in the system. Yurt should play this year. Yurtsevin. You have a lot of... Are we we uh, believers here? So I think that... So with me, with Jovic, I am a believer, but they didn't give Yurtsevin minutes last year. I don't know if they have an anti-rookie thing, but I don't know if he's going to see the court because I don't know. Like, Yurt should have played over Dwayne Dedman last year. And yeah. I that think it's a Haslam thing. A Haslam, yeah. I, I don't know. But I am a Jovic guy for sure. I think he can. You know who he reminds me of? Who? Miritich. Oh, I like that. I like that. Yeah, they have a similar skill set. I think Jovic has a little more potential, though. Yeah, I, I agree with oh, that. And then you have guys that, with them, they played a lot in the preseason. Drew Smith. Yeah. He plays a Gabe Vincent type of role. He's going to win them two games in the regular season. You know what's funny? I went into the playoffs last season, like, just doing weird psycho NBA fan prep, like, watching – 
you know, the first round matchup they had against Atlanta, I like went back and watched just a lot of highlights of like them playing Atlanta in the regular season. The the thing that jumped out to me the most was like, I wonder what's going to happen when the lights get a little brighter for these Gabe Vincent, Max Struess type of guys. Those guys played really consistently throughout the playoffs. Yeah. I, I, Struess had a couple horrible shooting nights. Maybe he's not, maybe that's not accurate to say about him. But Struess showed up in some big games, even after he was slumping. Like he showed a lot of, I thought, like mental fortitude. What we didn't get was Bam, was like Bam consistently being able to be like, okay, like we're not, I'm not getting Jimmy Butler at 100% tonight. We all know that. It's me. Like it's so obvious that it's me. And he was just like kind of quiet, except for that he had one game when he had, went absolutely crazy against the Celtics. But ultimately, the team lived and died with what Bam was able to show in the playoffs. And if it wasn't long ago, like two summers ago, maybe that we were talking about Bam the way we talk about Evan Mobley now of like yeah. all these whispers behind closed doors of being like, yo, this guy is going to take like he's going to be like an Anthony Davis type potential. And, you know, talking about like Anthony Davis in his prime, which is a whole other conversation. But we haven't really seen that growth from Bam as amazing as he's been on defense. Like I to me, he was my defensive player of the year last year. But like on the other side of the ball, I don't know if, if he's your second best player. Which can we agree he's the Heat's second best player? Yes. A lot, a lot. There's a lot of there's a lot on your shoulders as like the number two on a team. You know, not to make this all about hierarchies and stuff, but like you you have a lot on your shoulders. You're absolutely right, and he definitely didn't live up to it last year, as you said. But I just I, I guess maybe I'm a little bit more just optimistic on the infrastructure and like the sum of the parts that Jimmy has to be like as he was in in the Celtics series. He has to play like a superstar. But after that, I feel like with them, it's like, all right, we patched together 20 from Spruce tonight, 20 from Oladipo tomorrow, 20 from Vincent the next day. It's like it's I'm just out a- from Oladipo, by the way. Oh wow. Well, I, I think the I think it's over. It might be over, and if it is over, it kind of sways how I think of this team because they kind of—I don't want to say need him, but it would be really helpful if he's if he's a real part of their rotation. Dude, he's kind of like their Ginobili in a way. Like he's just that spark that they need as far as like someone with the ball in their hands that's not Jimmy. You know. Yes. So, what do you think the Heat's playoff upside is? I think they can win the East. Okay. I definitely, I definitely do. I think they're so deep. And I think I think Jimmy Butler is that good. Dude, they were they were one, they were a shot away from beating the Celtics. Yeah. Literally. And, and everybody was so mad about him taking that shot. I don't want to relitigate this. Dude, that was the right shot to take. Like you make that shot, you're going to the finals. Like, I don't know. What I don't know what you thought of the play, but I loved it. You know, they were they were close like a razor's edge close like as close as philly was when Kawhi made the you know the quadruple doink shot yeah um, and we all talk about that team and we all lament about how that team had had all the juice to to actually win if not for this one little Kawhi like dastardly you know ridiculous fadeaway but like you could say the same thing about jimmy missing that 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 three ball last year yeah so i'm i loved it i love when a team goes for two when they're down by one and there's like five seconds left i love going for it on fourth down anything like that i'm all for um my five seed is maybe a little bit surprising to you um but it is the are you gonna take okay i'll say it if you're not no yeah no it's it's the sixers 
It's not the Sixers. Damn. It is the Milwaukee Bucks. What the fuck? So you have the you have the Celtics at six and you have the Bucks at, at four. Bucks at five. The Bucks at five. You know what? I know, you know, this is my podcast, I guess. So whatever, fuck it. I'm going to flip my four and five because now that I think about it. So the Brooklyn Nets are my five seed. Now I changed my mind because I can't put the Nets over the Bucks. I'm you sorry. But the, okay. So we'll go with I the wanted Nets. To, by the way. Yeah. We, we both said that we're really high on this Brooklyn Nets team after what we saw in the preseason. It's just, I really want to be so optimistic. I want to be super optimistic, but it's just, we all know it. It's the Nets. It's just, it's so much uncertainty with every day, every single day you can wake up and there's a notification. Kyrie Irving has just, uh, I don't know, like. That's all you have to say, just Kyrie Irving. That's it. <laughs> and literally, like the season can change on any given day. And it's not because of injury. It's just. Dude, it's not even because of play. <laughs> yeah, it's it's literally the biggest unknown of the season is the Brooklyn Nets. But I will say that I say this with I I just know tomorrow morning something's gonna happen. I will say I'm I'm very optimistic. I'm very optimistic. Can I can I can I tell you the truth? Yeah. I wanted to make them my one seed in this. Season. <laughs> I, really... I I just can't see it though. Like I can't see it. I can't see it. Not in the regular season. I also don't think they're – yeah, like in the regular season, they're not quite deep enough. Like you look at the rest of their roster outside of those three dudes, it's it's good. It's not bad. Like I like the Royce O'Neal pickup. Wow, we really just blew by the Bucks here. Um, I, I like, you know, another year of Cam Thomas, even though it seems like he's kind of falling behind in the rotation, maybe because of like defense and stuff. But like I think they have a little juice towards the end of the roster. I just don't know if I trust it at all. And I don't – I just don't trust anything about it. You know what's funny? It's the opposite of the other team in New York that we were talking about, like in a bizarre way. Like the Knicks yeah. seem very reliable. They seem reliably mediocre this year. Yeah. And the Nets seem completely unreliable, but with the potential to be like, yo, we could just fuck around and like win the whole thing. Yeah. So my whole thing with the Nets and why I think that having them, you know, potentially at one is just not possible is because last year, they didn't care that they were in the play-in. Like, they were like, all right, if we're in the play-in, we're in the play-in. Like, they don't seem to give two shits about the regular season. Um, obviously, different circumstances because Kyrie couldn't play at home. But I just think that, you know, you look at the roster. I still have concerns about the floor spacing with Simmons and Claxton together. I love that 4-5. It, it looks good. It, it looks, looks good. So good. But we haven't seen a regular season game of it yet. So I... <laughs> I just I have to pump the brakes a little bit, and then Joe Harris can Joe Harris give him something? I think he that, needs to get healthy, man. Yeah, if he does, which he should in a few weeks here, but that guy could really change the the narrative of their offense. Dude, let let's not bury the lead here though. Like Ben Simmons is playing basketball for the first time in a very very long time, and he well, we don't know that yet until he suits. We up. don't. We don't. We don't. He's playing preseason basketball for the first yeah. time. Dude, he looks – he's the best preseason player I've ever seen in my life, dude. This guy is taking everything that anybody said about him, and he's showing that he was, in fact, listening the entire time and never was phased by it, is completely delusional about how he thinks the last two years went for him. He thinks he, like, did nothing wrong, and he's just the next – he's the Draymond that we've been looking for now, like, of the team. Like, we've said it on this podcast. Us three have said on this podcast, like, probably ten times in the past few years. Like, why isn't he just – 
just make a make his entire paycheck off of like eating out of the short roll. Why does he why does he bother with anything else other than like you know sweeping hook shot through the lane and lobs to Nick Claxton? This team is tailor made for Ben Simmons, and he's sh- he has shown that in the preseason so far. If he just just play basketball, just play basketball, they could be the one seed for sure. But you're asking for a lot there, Harris, and I hope I you realize that. So just for um just for the thought experiment, so their first Let's go first six games, home New Orleans, home Toronto, at Memphis, at Milwaukee, home Dallas, home Indiana. So it looks like, you know, five and one. No, 500. Oh, 500. (laughs) Yeah. It looks like, you know, should be able to, they have four home games to start the season. So I think it's going to be really important for them to not have the media just all over them early on. Same with the Lakers, by the way. Oh, those, too late. Yeah, those two shit shows. They they need to fix things early so that the optimism starts to soar and not the other way around. It'd be funny if the end if that was our finals. <laughs> oh my god, that would be, dude. LeBron versus KD in that scenario would be. Uh, I mean, Russ I, versus Ben Simmons. Are you kidding? <laughs> are you joking me, dude? Adam Silver would. He'd be so happy. He'd be he he would die of happiness. I I agree. Um. So I teased LA. my four, my four seed. Yeah. Let me give you my four. Sure. I got the Philadelphia 76ers. Okay. All right. Um. I'm not gonna be surprised by any of these because I again I think they're interchangeable. Tight. But um. So I had the Bucks. You had the Sixers. Um. Why Philly at four? We talked about it a lot at the top of this pod. I just think that they're they're really one dimensional, and I I this is just my personal opinion. I don't think Embiid is going to go as balls to the wall as he did last year. I think Embiid wants to win the finals. He wants to win a championship so bad that he's gonna he I, and I think he respects the approach of guys like Tim Duncan, the approach of guys like LeBron, who know when to turn it on and turn it off, and um, and I also think he's it sounds sounds weird to say because of how good he is. He's more skilled than the last time I saw him. He, dude, he he came through in the lane uh, in the most recent preseason game they had. I can't remember who it was, who it was against. Dude, he had this little one-two little like Iverson fadeaway from like ten feet. I was like, oh my god, bro, this guy's seven foot one. Like, the, this dude is is nice. But this isn't a, this this isn't a beat appreciation podcast. But but I think I I think that they're gonna. You know the same argument you made for the Celtics of I think they I think they want to gear up for the playoffs. I think that's going to apply for this team too. Okay, I I can respect that and I can see that. Um, let's yeah we we did discuss a lot of Philly, but with me with the Bucks, I I was looking uh through the standings from last season, just like how Cleveland. I, actually, you could make the same argument about Chicago. Chicago wasn't expected to be the one seed halfway through the season. <laughs> Um, there's always a surprise in a positive direction and there's always a surprise in the negative direction. And I don't know who it really was last year. Maybe you could say, I mean, the Nets, the Lakers, um, but I think it could be the Bucks this year, like in a, in an extreme fashion. Middleton's out for what, like four weeks. Well, they're not really disclosing the Middleton news. Um, so the latest update with Middleton was that he's expected to miss the first few weeks of the season. Um, and they also said something to the effect of like, I think they said, yeah, we don't know when he's going to play. 
all these things. Okay, fine. That's one, that's one variable, but also you have a team that really didn't improve their roster in the off season. They added Joe Ingles. That was who they used their mid-level exception on coming off of an ACL tear. Like it's not like Joe Ingles is going to be Utah Joe Ingles at any point, maybe never again. And then you have Pat Connaughton, who's already out for the first three weeks. And then you have just so much reliance on guys that are older, even Middleton. Middleton is, uh, what is he, like 32? 31, 31. 31. And Holiday's in his 30s. Holiday's right? 32. True Holiday's 32. Holiday's 32. You have, um, and then you have Brooke Lopez at starting center, who, remember last season, he barely got back with that back injury. He was about to be like possibly career ending. Sergi Baca. Sergi Baca has nothing left in his tank. Bobby Portis is great, but if Brooke Lopez goes down and you have to start Bobby Portis, I like that a lot less. When I look at this team, George Hill, George Hill's 36. George Hill. And they need those guys. And Wesley Matthews is old. Like we talked about the recipe with the Lakers last year to to be so bad was the age thing. And I just look at this Bucks team and I'm like, man, it could be literally all Giannis. And I would not be surprised. I have them at fourth. But the reason I had them at fifth was because I wouldn't be surprised if in a loaded Eastern Conference, they have the season from hell. I wouldn't be shocked. That was incredible. And <laughs> yeah, that one. I mean, the thing is, like, going into this podcast, like, before I actually thought about the seedings and where I would place teams, I wouldn't have thought of that. And then I started to be like, oh, my God, the East is really loaded. And the Bucks. They're old. They're old. Besides, they're old. I mean, besides Giannis and what, like Grace and Allen, this team is really old. You know who's a sneaky 30? Who? Thanasis. Wow. I would not have guessed that. <laughs> exactly. No, I mean, they, you. your concerns are exactly what I, I also considered. And that was the reason I put them at two instead of one. Okay. So the fact that you have them at four, it, it is shocking. But I, I see, I understand where you're coming from 100%. My reason for optimism starts and ends with Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah. He he shot terribly the other night. Again, it's the preseason. But what I saw from him is like another more growth in his game. I don't know if you've seen his shot. It looks more fluid. None of them went down the other night. But it looks it looks back to being like an actual jump shot. Although his limbs still don't make any sense. He's just too long to shoot like a credible jumper. Um, but he, he flashed some like patience off the dribble. You know, Giannis was always a guy who... I never thought it was fair to say he had no moves. He had like three moves. He had like down, he's like downhill transition, cross jab. I'm just going to fucking run by you. He had like, okay, if you beat me to that spot, I'll go bump into your chest and then Euro, you know, I'll swing step the other way. And he had like, if that doesn't work, I'll same setup, bump and then spin move, dunk on your, on, on your ass. And he just, he gets away with it. He puts up 40 and 20 every time he does it, right? That's what makes him Giannis. But the other night when I watched him, like this guy was, he had like a little slow fa- or a fast, slow, fast, like a little delayed in between the legs move. You know what I mean? Where you go, you want hundred miles an hour, he's slow between the legs and then boom, he explodes off that back foot. Uh, he had, he got into his spin move a couple different ways where he went, he picked up the ball high, he picked up the ball low. Um, he had a couple nice fadeaways where again, his, the pickup of the ball, the timing was good, where it was like a little 
harder to guard, you know, kind of the way Kevin Durant does where he has so many options because he just picks the ball up so late before he gets into a shot. I just think Giannis is going to show a lot more skill this year. I don't know if the thing is the variance here is I don't know if it's going to translate right away. It's always hard to put these skills into practice where it's like, even at that level of NBA guy, like, can you really do these things more than two or three times a game when it's not your natural instinct yet? I don't think so. But if there's anybody that can, it's Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised at all if he takes that next leap and adds moves to his bag. It's just the other guys is is everything that concerns me. But I will say, and this is kind of the caveat that I added to the Celtics, if you get them to the postseason, they're fully healthy and they're there, then I think that those two are my scariest. Just because the standings don't match up with that doesn't mean that I am losing. Stop hedging. Stop hedging. It's it's not a good look for you. Listen, listen. It's not fair though to compare for that exact reason. It's not fair to compare the Bucks to the Lakers though because their old guys are just better than the Lakers old guys. Like we can't, we can't yeah. not. Like is that is that controversial? I would love to hear a counterpoint. Like is it's, Carmelo Anthony better than Brook Lopez? No, but I was the only reason why I kind of hesitated is because of the stuff like the back injury that it's just like. Dude, I don't even know. Like, were you about to be retired? Like, what what was going on there? And then they, you know, they have a lot of guys that are just, I don't think they're reliable. Um, including Joe Ingles, who was again their their you know marquee free agent signing. Um, I hear you. It's 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 not washed. It's like old. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move on to third seed. So, um, okay. So you go. You go ahead and go first. I'll, I, you know, I'm just going to, I'm actually just going to rattle off my, my last three because we've already talked about all these teams, but I'll just okay. reveal the order that I have them. Sure. So I went Nets, Bucks, Celtics. So Nets three, Bucks two, Celts one. Okay. So, all right. So that makes sense considering what you've said to this point. Yeah. I have Miami at three. I have Atlanta at two. And I have <laughs> Philly, Philly at one. So I'll start off with with the Philly thing is I actually disagree with what you said. I think that Philly is so freaking adamant at proving to everybody we are better than you think. This is the year. We're not going to choke. And I think that that's going to be the the driving force behind them really taking the regular season seriously. And everybody's going to fall for it. That's the crazy thing. Everybody's going to fall for it. Besides, I think, you know, us two, um, maybe Yosef Nasser as well. But... Have you seen anything different from James Harden? No. He's he's back in shape a little bit. but He's slow. I don't know what happened to him. It's he's slow. Slow, and you mentioned it when we, when we talked about them at the beginning of the pod. The style of play. People are talking about Tyrese Maxey. I'm sure that Tyrese Maxey is going to take a step. But the ball is going to be predominantly in Harden's hands and Embiid's hands, at least when the games matter. Like in the regular season, Harden will throw that hit-ahead pass because he, you know, they might even give him a cheap assist on that to Maxi. But in the real, like, meaningful games, they're going to play that heliocentric form that Harden's played his entire career. And I just, I don't believe in him. But I do think they'll be the one seed. Wow. Um. Yeah, you had you had Brooklyn and you had Boston. Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Boston, yeah. Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Boston. Okay, so we discussed those. Yeah, I have the Heat at three. We got into me, that a little bit. Let me hear the Hawks thing. That's I think that's the most surprising pack of the litter you got in the top three. 
So the Hawks thing, again, we have teams every year that surprise. And so let's start at the top. I really think this Trey Murray thing is going to work extremely well. I really do. They look really good together. I believe, yeah. I see them. I actually have Trey Young as my MVP winner. That's well, that would have to. That would like what you're saying for Atlanta to finish second, that would have to go hand in hand with Trey being in that, like right in that MVP conversation. I think that people are not taking into account how poor his supporting cast was last season. I think it was really bad. And they won 43 games. They were, you know, they were in eighth. The injuries um, killed them too. Like Bogdanovich was never healthy. Herder is always hurt. I mean, he's gone now. Goodbye to the beloved Red Rocket. <laughs> so, yeah, you just mentioned it. You add Bogdanovich, and now Bogdanovich goes from the second option probably, which I don't know if he should have been, to now, you know, he's just another piece to the puzzle. You have Okongwu taking another, hopefully another leap. I actually really like an underrated part of the team. I like Hunter, the fact you say Hunter? Hunter as well. They just, you know, re-upped him today. Four years, ninety-five million. Um, but I actually kind of like the fact that they have Aaron Holiday, kind of like the Magic have Wagner and Wagner. I like the brothers together. You have Justin and Aaron on the bench with a Kongwu with Bogdanovich. I really like their bench unit. And then a guy that I think is going to impact them probably from day one is the rookie AJ Griffin. I really think that he's going to be an impactful three and D guy for them right away. But really, the, the two-seed thing with me is literally a Trey Young bet. I really think that he's going to show people that he's a top 10 player in the league, defense or not. I really think that his offense is that transcendent. I, I don't, I don't want to misrepresent how I feel about Trey Young. That dude is so good at basketball. He is so, so – I don't think people understand how good you got to be to be that small and put up the numbers that he puts up. Like, it is absurd. And if you look at the – you know, the heliocentric stats, right? The usage rates, the, the, just the sheer amount, the person, a person has their, the ball in their hands. Trey has the ball in his hands a lot. It's not as much as someone like a Luka Doncic. You know what I mean? Like he's a more efficient player than I think people give him credit for. And he's also not necessarily the shooter that someone like Steph is, who he gets compared to all the time just because of their, you know, their body type, their build. But I think Trey is in a lot of ways, a more dynamic ball handler. Like he's harder in some ways to cover than Steph in different ways, right? Steph, because of how dangerous he is from anywhere, but Trey, the misdirections, the, you just never know where he's going to go. I was so impressed with what Miami did. Yeah. um, So on the topic of Atlanta, I think we we're a believer in, you have to start fast if you're going to surprise people and their first five games, Houston, Orlando, Charlotte, at Detroit, at Detroit. <laughs> Could be 5-0. and oh. Could be 5-0. and oh. And we know Should what happens five and oh. when you're 5-0. and oh, There's We see it with the New York Giants right now. Different sport. Games matter a lot more, obviously, in the NFL. But there's a certain buzz that you get. A Who's Atlanta's coach? I have Atlanta's no idea. Atlanta's coach is Nate McMillan. Is Nate? It's McMillan still? Yeah. Can he do a day ball thing, though? Because to for me, it's for these teams to surprise – you got to have that coach that's doing what you're, you know, that's going for two when you're down one. That's, that's trying to, you know what I mean? You got to, you need to go for the throat type of leader in your locker room. Like, I don't know if McMillan is that type of guy. 
I will say about Nate McMillan that I think that his job security was big time in question last year. Um, and I think that it's going to actually motivate him in the right direction this year. I think that he's going to be coaching with more fire considering the fact that now he has talent and now he, I think it's going to be more of a personal thing with him. Like, Oh, you guys thought I was the issue. No, we just lacked talent. Now we got Murray. Trey gets another year in my system. And I really, I, I think that this team is going to be really, really good, but. I think you're insane. I respect you. And I think it's hilarious that we started out like in total lockstep for the bottom of the East. Yeah. And then as soon as it hit the playoffs, like the top eight seeds, it was just like, just the, the train went off the rails. I love it. You had Atlanta at nine, right? Yeah, I had them. That's insane. Their variance here, two and nine. That's insane. Yeah. But I mean, we did mention that between nine and whatever, the top, there is going to be a lot of variance. And I would be shocked if we are even close because this season just seems like a season that yeah. everything just goes out the window. Dude, the worst team in, in the East for both of us has LaMelo Ball. Yeah. The talent in the league is insane right now. It's just ridiculous. While we're while we're doing this thought experiment, can we quickly do our um season awards? Yeah. I already um, said my MVP. Trey. Trey. Um I'll go with uh let me go with Durant. Oh wow, okay. I like that. Coach of the year. Uh ooh. You got one? Let me think about it. I do. I'm going to go Monty Williams, a, a zag, because okay. the Suns rebound and then Monty gets the credit. I could see it. I could see it. Yo, let me go Tibbs. I'll, I'll take Tibbs. Okay. All right. Six man? This is a good one. Six man is uh, six man is always hard to predict. I'll go um, – let me go Brogdon. Brogdon. Okay. I like that one. I'm going to go with um, – I'm actually trying to figure it out as I do this. Um, I'm going to go with uh, – it's kind of a trendy pick, pick right some now. You're going to fucking Dean Wade or something. <laughs> no. You know, actually, I'm going to go with Bogdanovich. I think he's going to be that. an impactful player on the Hawks. And if the Hawks he's are good. good, I guess I just picked two Hawks, though, but that's fine. Um, well, I mean, if they if they finish – I mean, that goes in line with what you're saying. If they finish as yeah. the second seed in the East, they're going to have more than one – you know, they True. have to get Rookie of the year? Matherin. Okay. I'm going to go Boncaro. Okay. I like it. I like and it. And then most improved. Most improved. Dude, you know what? I think they gave it to Bane. Oh, Desmond Bane. Okay. Well, shame on you because this was the perfect time to go Kobe White. I'm going, <laughs> I'm doing it again until it happens. My At boy. age 33, we'll still do Kobe White improving. Boy. By the way, I just realized Kobe would be great in Memphis. I think they would love him. Dude. I... Yeah, it's it's really disheartening because obviously that was one of the few reasons I enjoyed watching the Bulls. And now who knows what's going to happen with him. Um, can we get a finals prediction out of you? Preseason finals prediction. Oh, I love these because of how fucking wrong they are. Let me go Brooklyn. Brooklyn. I'll go Brooklyn Clippers. I, I, am, I am drinking the Clippers Kool-Aid a little bit. I am going to go with um it's really hard. It's really hard to do this. I'm gonna go with the Celtics and the Golden State Warriors. 
you know how hard it is to have a repeat, especially yeah. in this type of landscape. I'm not saying you're wrong. That'd be pretty hype, though. Yeah, it, it's tough. I mean, it's it's a tough thought experiment to do with. Don't hedge, bro. Me. Put Atlanta in there. No, I'm, I can't do that. I think that they're a great regular season team. I think that they can make some postseason noise, but I'm not ready to go that no, far. Fuck it. Give me, give me New York, New York, LA, Brooklyn, Lakers. We talked about it. Lock it in. Are you, is that, are you actually optimistic about the Lakers? Uh, relatively. I, I actually do. I mean, they, they just got news that Schroeder's going to miss like a bunch of games, but I, I really do think that like, I just I, – I have a general philosophy that anytime we, like, always swing too far in one direction, that, like, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. And the truth is probably that LeBron is still insane and Anthony Davis is good. And, like, they're probably, like, going to be a good eight seed. I think that's that's kind of how I see the Lakers. I guess this is a good time to wrap it up. I think that they will be terrible, but <laughs> that is uh, that is a topic for another time, I guess. Is there anything else that you want to close us out with, Harrison? No, it's getting late over here on the East Coast. It's 2 a.m. I wasn't lying about that Bill Belichick stuff. People really are so mad about him. It's my favorite part of getting a haircut is talking about the Patriots. Let's go Bailey fucking zappy. We got a quarterback controversy going on over here. Um, I've been loving this NFL season. That's all I got to say. Yeah, well, we're going to destroy you guys next Monday night. I don't even know if I can say you guys. I don't know if you can say you guys. Yeah. Let's You're go Gino, baby. Let's ride. Yeah. Let's ride, Gino. Bears, Patriots next Monday night. We might have to do an emergency pod after that one. That sounds fun. All right. As always, thank you. I know you said it's 2 a.m. out in the East Coast. Thank you, as always, Harry, for joining us. This was fun. Anytime. Next time, we got to get Yost back on and hopefully recap the first week of the NBA season. Should be exciting. I can't believe it's, it's already here. Yep. Until next time, we are out of here.